Blog Talk Radio. Consciousness. I am your host, Reverend Harvey L. Bailey. And tonight, Thursday, February 26th, 25th, 2016, I'm getting ahead of myself. We are going to talk about as a man thinketh. As a man thinketh. James Allen wrote these words a long time ago. Thought and the mind have made us what we are by thought. We are wrought and built. If a man's mind hath evil thoughts, pain come on him, as comes the wheels of an ox behind. If one endure impurity of thought, joy follows him, as his own shadow surely does. That is from the book, As a Man Thinketh. We've all heard about the law of attraction, and many of us have even heard of this book. As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. But what does that really mean? I mean, we've heard of the positive thought movement, you know, the power of affirmations, the law of attraction, all these things. And many people have even tried it. But how do we make it work in our lives? How do we benefit from it? What does it truly mean when we talk about as a man, and I use man in a generic sense, man and woman, but what does it really mean when we say as a man thinketh? Well, let's think about this. Our thoughts are things. Thoughts are very, very powerful things. Now, we may think it's just something that's going on in our mind, but what goes on in our mind has an effect on what's occurring in our outside. We can only put out what's going on inside of us, but what goes on inside of us affects what's going on on our outside. It creates our world. Or let me put it to you like this, and over the course of this show, I'm going to say this several different times. Watch your thoughts. They become words. Watch your words. They become actions. Watch your actions. They become habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. An anonymous person said that. But think about that. Think about how powerful that is. Watch your thoughts because your thoughts become words. Those things that you harbor in your mind eventually will come out of your mouth. What comes out of your mouth is what's been going on in your mind. Usually it's been going on in your mind for a while. And at some point, when the perfect opportunity presents itself, out of your mouth it slips. Yet words are very, very powerful. As everything in our world is made up of energy, and energy is made up of vibrations, words themselves are vibrations. And these vibrations have the ability to attract other things that vibrate on the same level. So let me make that, claim, let me make that plain and clear. If you speak negativity, you're going to see negativity in your world. If you speak positivity, you will realize positivity in your world. And it's say, it, yes, Harvey, that, that could be true, but what about people who speak positive things and try to be positive all the time, and yet negative things still show up in their world? Well, we know the words that are coming out of their mouth when we're around, but do we know what thoughts they really harbor? You know, and again, it begins with thoughts. Watch your thoughts because they become your words. So even though we may hear them, the words coming out being positive, do we know that they always speak positive? Do we know that maybe they're just not vocalizing the negative thoughts that they have? And when they're in the right company where those negative thoughts are more acceptable, do they come out in the form of words? 
Or sometimes they don't come out in words at all. They skip that and go straight to actions. That's right. Some people's negative thoughts become negative actions. Think about this. How many times has something happened to us and we reflect upon it? You know, I was carrying on a conversation earlier this morning with a friend of mine, and I was telling her about something that was going on on the radio, and she asked, do you think the guy is going to reflect on what he did to bring about what happened? And I said, no. No, because that's not what the average person do. You know, most people don't think about what role they played in the situation that occurred in their life. Matter of fact, for the most part, it's always somebody else's fault. They did it because of this, because of that. You know, but what role do we play? And sometimes we can't find the role we play because in saying the role we play, what did we do? We're looking for an actual physical action that we did. Again, you know, if I walk up on somebody and I stick my hand in their pocket to take their wallet, they turn around and punch me. The physical action is right there. I tried to steal their wallet, therefore they hit me. If I'm sitting on the steps minding my business and someone comes up and punch me, now what role did I play in that? You asked me that question. That's ridiculous. I didn't play any role in it. I was sitting here minding my business. And so we have to wonder, even in things seemingly as innocent as that, do we play a role? What's going on in our mind? What thoughts are we entertaining? You know, we attracted to us the kind of person who would come up and hit us for no reason. Yes, we attracted that. We created the environment for that to happen. So it's easy to say, by anyone's standards, we did nothing. But the truth of the matter is, on some level, we did something. And that's what it really means when we talk about as a person thinketh. What are those thoughts that you're keeping inside? Are those thoughts of fear? Are they thoughts of prosperity? Are they thoughts of worry and concern? Are they thoughts of happiness and love? What are your thoughts? And what's at the root of your thoughts? Because remember, your thoughts become words, and your words become actions. Once you start doing things, once you put your words into actions, now you're making things happen. And if you continue to do these actions, they become habits. So if your thoughts are on being a successful business person, and your words are always talking about how you're going to start this business, how you're going to start that business, well, words is fine. That's a good start. But it's simply rhetoric. You've got to create the action. Words with no action means nothing. So you've got to create the action. So let your thoughts become your actions. And then these actions need to be repeated over and over again until they become a habit. So what is it that you're doing to build your business? You have to keep doing things like this, this and things like this, over and over and over again until they become a habit. Until it becomes second nature. And then they become your character. It's who you are. People come to know you. We In today's world, we talk a lot about branding. Branding is about who this person is. Everything has its own personality. Every business has its own personality. And sometimes a business's personality is different from the owner of the business personality. But often in branding, we try to create a similarity. We try to draw a, a line between who the person themselves is and the business that they have. So if you think of someone as a good person, an honest person, you know, an upstanding person, then you want to do business with that person because that's the character you expect that they bring to the business. And you've got to watch your character because your character becomes your destiny. If you be a certain way, continuously be a certain way, that's going to be your destiny. That's going to be what you bring about. Again, if you are a nice person, a person who helps other people, and you're focused on building your business, success is imminent. It's going to come because you are putting forth what it takes to be successful. So, Let's talk about what it takes to be successful. Dennis Waitley wrote a book called The Psychology of Winning. In The Psychology of Winning, he laid out several 
different qualities that he thinks makes a winner. And so we're going to go through these qualities, 10 qualities in all, that makes a winner. So the first quality he talks about is positive self-expectancy. What is positive self-expectancy? Well, answer these questions. Am I generally optimistic about all aspects of my life? Do I expect the best of health for myself? When I am discouraged, am I indulging in a form of self-pity? Think about that one now. Take some time with that one. When I am discouraged, am I indulging in a form of self-pity? Do I look at problems as potential opportunities? Every problem has a seed of success in it, just waiting to be birthed. Do I praise or criticize more often? Think about that. The words that come out of your mouth, are they more of praise or are they more of criticism? Think about how you rated yourself for positive self-expectancy based on how you answered those five questions. Quality number two, are you self-motivated? Are you positively self-motivated? Because you could be self-motivated but not in a positive way. Let's talk about that. What are my dominant fears? How many of us have actually addressed what our fears are? How many of us are even conscious of what our actual fears are? If you're going to use positive self-motivation, you've got to start by looking at your dark side, by facing your fears. What are my dominant fears? What motivating effect do these fears have in my life? Now think about it. They say people are motivated by fear or love. Okay, how is the fear motivating you? It could be motivating you positively or negatively. Are you doing things out of fear that if you didn't have that fear, you wouldn't do? And these things that you're doing, are they propelling you in the direction you want to go? Or are they preventing you from going in the direction you want to go? What are my dominant desires? What do you desire? What do you want for your life in your life? What are your dominant desires? Do I focus most of my attention and thoughts on these desires? We'll talk a little bit later about how to focus your mind and hold it on the things that you want. Because the truth of the matter is, none of us can afford the luxury of a negative thought. Negative thoughts bring you down. It slows your energy. It opens you up to attracting negativity into your world. None of us can afford the luxury of a negative thought. Positive thoughts propel you in the direction that you want to go. It helps you become the person you want to be. And it's contagious. Do I focus on the rewards of success more than the penalties of failure? Think about that one. When faced with a challenge, do you think, what if I fail? What if it don't work? Or do you think, I can do this. I know I can. Positive quality number three is positive self-image. Answer these questions. Do I still hold great dreams for my future? Many times we reach a certain age and we feel like there's no way we can accomplish our dreams anymore. The time has passed. But as long as you're alive, the time is now. It's not passed until you've passed. Do I fantasize and imagine my monthly and yearly coming attractions? D 
Do you do that? Do you play games with your mind? Do you fantasize and think about the good that you want in your life? You know, it's interesting. I've heard so many times that after a certain age, usually around 10, 11, or 12, children start to lose their imagination. They don't have that same playful imagination they had when they were kids. Yet, we're supposed to be like little children. We're supposed to be trusting and faithful, but we're all supposed to have imagination. You should never let go of your imagination. There are plenty of times when you are looking at television, playing on the Internet, that you could actually be working on your life without doing anything, just simply sitting still with your eyes closed and imagining what it is you want to have in your life. I guarantee you it is far more productive than playing on the Internet, watching YouTube videos, or surfing the web, seeing what's out there. What's out there is out there. What's inside of you is far more important. That's gold, baby. What's inside of you? Is my self-image a goal-achieving mechanism, or is it a self-limiting handicap? Think about that. What is your self-image? And is it a goal-achieving mechanism? What are some of my greatest talents? What am I not good at, and why am I not good at it? Quality number four, positive self-direction. Answer these questions. What is my most important lifetime goal? What is that? What do you want to accomplish in this lifetime? What is your raison d'etre, your reason for being? Where do I want to be five years from now? Have you thought about that before? Have you written it down? Do you fantasize about it? Do you tell people? Do you share your dreams with others? Where do you want to be five years from now? What will my income and assets be at age 65? A lot of people don't really think about it. We kind of live day to day, paycheck to paycheck. But... I remember being at a financial conference, and I learned, and my then eight-year-old daughter actually learned as well, that poor people live day-to-day. Lower middle-class people live week-to-week. Middle-class people live month-to-month. Rich people live year-to-year. Wealthy people live decade-to-decade. You decide where you want to be. If you're barely making it and you can barely make it from one day to the next or one week to the next, you don't have to stay in that category. Can you live decade to decade? How about century to century with wealth that you pass on from one generation to the next? Is it possible? All things are possible through Christ that strengthens us. Christ strengthens us all. So what will your income and assets be at age 65, assuming you're under 65? What is my objective for the next year, the next 12 months? From now to February 2017, what's your objective? What do you want to accomplish What is my most important priority next month? The fifth quality, positive self-control. Answer these questions. Am I basically a lucky or unlucky person? Now, I don't believe in luck. 
I think you make your own luck. I believe chance favors the prepared mind. I believe Louis Pasteur said that. Am I basically a lucky or unlucky person? Are there a lot of have-tos in my life? What do you have to do? I have to do this. I have to do that. Eliminate the have-tos and have done instead of have to. You are a human being, not a human doing. Enjoy being. Are my choices in life limited or unlimited? If they're limited, they're only limited by your imagination or the limits that you put on yourself. Remove those limits. What are the different controlling influences in my world? Think about that. What are the different controlling influences in your world? How can I better control what happens to me? A lot of people feel like they have no control over what happened to them. Yeah, I talked a little bit about that earlier. Think about what's going on in your mind. What are you creating? What are you opening yourself up to? What role did you play in that situation? And things happen to help you grow. So just because something negative happened, think of what's behind it that can help you grow. Look for the benefit in it that can help you become a better, a stronger person. How your tragedy may be able to help someone else. Quality number six, positive self-discipline. Answer these questions. Do I complete the projects I begin? Do I have the habit of rehearsing in my imagination? Do I have a number of bad habits that I can't seem to break? Do I have an excellent memory? Do I have the same daydreams over and over about my success in a given field? And hopefully you do. Because entertaining your goals is how you work towards achieving the goals. Oh, yeah, there's actual action that's needed. But the more you entertain it in your mind, the closer you get to achieving your goals. Quality number seven, positive self-esteem. Answer these questions. Do I accept myself just as I am today? Do I accept myself as I am right here, right now, in this moment? Is there anyone I envy or would like to trade places with? Hopefully your answer is no. Whether you know it or not, to you, you should be the most important person on the planet. Am I an extremely humble person? Do I feel guilty when I indulge myself in some selfish activity? Is it easy for me to accept compliments and praise from others? Think about that. Something as simple as that. There are a lot of people 
who can't take it when you compliment them. They feel embarrassed. Some even feel ashamed. That's a sign of low self-esteem. Again, as I just said, to you, you should be the most important person on the planet. If someone comes up to you and says, who's the most important person on the planet? It's not the president. It's not some actor or movie star. It's not some athlete. The answer should always be, I am. And you should carry around that attitude that you are the most important person on the planet. It's not about being selfish. It's about knowing your self-worth. If someone compliments you, smile, say thank you, accept it. Know that you are deserving of that compliment. Otherwise, you would not have gotten it. Quality number eight, positive self-dimension. Answer these questions. Do I share my successes with others freely? Oh, some people reach the mountaintop, and then they play king of the mountain. Everybody else that tries to come up, they want to knock them down. Don't do that. Extend a hand. Help the next man up or woman. Do I spend time generously sharing with my family? Do I believe in do unto others as I would have them do unto me? Do you believe in that? Or is it just a saying you heard? Or is it possible that you've never even heard that saying? The cardinal rule. Spend much time living in memories for better times. Are you allowing your past to rob the future? Because you spend so much time in the past, thinking about days gone by, what you had, who you were with, what you did, instead of focusing on the here and now. What's done is done. I always say it's spilled milk. You can't get it back in the glass. Clean it up and move on. The focus is not in the past. The focus is what I'm going to do now, in this moment. How do I move on from here, and where do I go? Do I spend much time dreaming about the things I'd like to do someday when the time is right? Someday Isle. It's a very expensive island off the South uh, South Pacific. Someday Isle. That's where dreams that haven't been achieved go, to Someday Isle. Don't let your dream go live on Someday Isle. Let today be your someday. Quality number nine, positive self-awareness. Answer these questions. Do I see great opportunities for improvement in my environmental, physical, and mental activities? There's always room for improvement. Do I honestly know my own limits in my personal and professional life? Do I resist change and find security in my present lifestyle? Change can be a good thing. How would I like to be married to me? Now, ask yourself that. You know, I do relationship coaching, and that is a powerful question. Would you want to be married to you? Think about it, because the person who you're married to is married to you. If you can't stand to be married to you, what do you think it's like for that person? You want to be the kind of person you want to marry. How would I like a parent like me? Think about that. Many of us grew up without strong, positive parent models, and so we've had to parent ourselves. Are you a good parent to yourself? Are you a good parent to your children? How would you like a parent like you? Do you think you're too rigid? Do you think you're too easy? Maybe you think you're just right. And if you think you're just right, there's a possibility you might be right. Quality number 10, the last one, positive self-projection. And you know the rule. Answer these questions. Do I project my best self at all times? Do I listen more than I talk? Hmm, I'm working on that. 
Am I an active listener who asks many questions and asks for examples? When I talk, do I give several examples and ask for feedback? Do people feel their best when they are in my presence? Think about that. If people are happy to see you and not so happy to see you go, then you're doing something right. That is from Dennis Waitley's book, The Psychology of Winning, Ten Qualities of a Winner. Now, we're going to take a break right here, and we're going to go to a commercial. But when we come back, we're going to talk more and more about this thing called as a man thinketh. And what does it mean to think positive? And how do we do it right after this? Welcome to the Family Healing Circle where we heal the mind, body, and soul. Join us every Monday for Totally Whole with Dr. Rosemary Cook and Pastor Bridget as they discuss issues related to spirituality and mental health with emphasis on wholeness of mind, body, and spirit. Get your money right Tuesdays on Money Matters with Chastity A. Wells. This show is the tool you need to develop a healthy relationship with your money and financial legacy. Every Thursday is a treat as we mix it up. On the first Thursday of the month, it's Total Empowerment with Angela Hart, where beauty and strength is enhanced inside and out. The second Thursday of the month is Relationship Talk on One Love, One Connection, One Up with Reverends Arlene Cahet and Harvey L. Bailey as they give you practical advice for creating a spiritual union to have the relationship you want. Call in with your relationship questions. Calling all brothers on the third Thursday of the month, it's the Sacred Masculine Show with Reverend Jamel Gilliam. It's a show for spiritual brothers and the women who love them. When there is a fourth Thursday in the month, we have the Healing Paradigm with Reverend Arlene Cahet, healing the mind, body, and spirit through changing viewpoints. Every Friday, let's talk love, sex, and nutrition with sexual wellness coach Bondria Walters and sex enthusiast Nakia Lana. The hottest sexual health and wellness and nutrition show around. This is for the grown and sexy. Listen at your own risk. If you don't know, now you know. The Family Healing Circle on Blog Talk Radio, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's the best in entertainment, education, and talk radio. In the best-selling book, Man's Search for Meaning, by Austrian neurologist, psychologist, and Holocaust survivor Viktor Frankl, Viktor shares his experiences being in a prison, in a death camp, if you will. In a Nazi death camp, he was actually in concentration camps. Now, here's a man who had everything taken from him. His parents was killed in a concentration camp. Him and his wife was taken together and then separated. She went to a concentration camp where she eventually died. And it was only him and one sibling that survived the Holocaust. He wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning, 
And in this book, he talked about how some of the men in the concentration camp had the energy of survival, if you will. And what I mean by the energy of survival, he talks about a guy who played several rounds of golf. This is what he did to relax. Now, he's in a concentration camp, so you can imagine there are no greens. There are no golf clubs, and there are no balls. In his mind, he played golf, and he went through the motion. So here's this man, what you and I would seemingly say is crazy, because he's standing here, and he's pretending to play golf, yet he has no golf clubs. He has no ball. There's no hole. He's actually in a Nazi death camp, in a concentration camp. Any moment, he could be the next one to go. But instead, he's here playing golf. And as Viktor Frankl tells the story about this guy and several other guys, there were those who formed the group, and they, they did Bible study, and they remembered their favorite passages. What he found to, sum, to summarize his book is that when you have a reason to live, you live longer. So the majority of those who he found had a reason to live survived the Holocaust. And those who had no reason to live, those who had given up, those who were just waiting for the day that the Nazis would come and take them, they got what they were waiting for. That's as a man thinketh. You see, some of these people in this camp were not thinking this was the end. The guy who played golf went on to become a pretty good golfer after the Holocaust. Why? Because he had played so many rounds of golf, even though he didn't actually play with real clubs or against anyone real. The mind does not know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. And let me say that again. Your mind, my mind, everyone's mind does not know the difference between what is real and what's imagined. So to his mind, he was playing real games of golf, and his golf game increased. But he had a positive mindset. As a man thinketh, his thoughts was on getting better with his golf game. So if that's not a positive story for you, if that doesn't really illustrate, you know, as a man think of, I don't really know what will get to you. Because if you talk about being in a prison camp, and, you know, we're talking about a concentration camp at the height of World War II, and then being able to come out and write a book and write it from a very positive standpoint, he he talks about how, you know, the mind, having a reason to live, having that deep set in your mind can help you find your reason to live, to have a better life, keep on going. You know, it, what, is, what he actually said is that the importance of finding meaning in all forms of existence, even the most brutal ones, can help us find our reason to continue to live. As a man thinketh, what do you want in your life? So I want you to consider this, and then I'm going to give us a, I'm going to do another exercise. But I want you to consider this. There are three kinds of truth. There's actual truth, there's apparent truth, and there's imagined truth. Actual truth. None of us know actual truth. We think we know actual truth. But none of us know actual truth. We see the world as we are, not as the world is. So all of our truths are axiomatic. We don't know the actual truth. God knows actual truth. Apparent truth. It's what appears to be truth. And this is pretty much where we live, what appears to be true to us. Different perspectives. I remember working as a private investigator when I got off of active duty in San Antonio. And one of the things that I would do was take witness statements for a lawyer. So often I would go see people, and sometimes the people I had to see were incarcerated. And I would ask, what happened? What did they see? And I would record their statements. And it's interesting that 
I could talk to five or six different people who saw the same incident, yet the stories weren't always the same. And so the lawyer would look for what was in each of these stories that could help him with the case he was building. And he knew already that none of these people are going to give the same story. If, he, if they did, it would probably hurt his case. It helps that people don't see things the same way. Even though only one event happened, they're all describing it from their own perspective. That is the world we live in, the world of apparent truth. And then there's imagined truth. Imagined truth goes back to what I said. The mind does not know the difference between real and imagined. So your imagined truth is your world. It's germane only to you. It is your personal world. It is where you go, and your truth is your truth. The problem is when our imagined truth, we try to make it other people's truths, particularly when we're in relationships or when we have close friendships. We want other people to see our truth the way we see it. We try to force our imagined truth on them. Understand, your imagined truth is only actual truth to you. It is not the actual, actual truth. There are three truths. Actual truth, which only God knows, because we are axiomatic. We see the world as we are. Apparent truth, what appears to be true to us, and imagined true, that which we imagine as the truth. And then, along with your truths, they correlate with reality. You have the ultimate reality, which goes along with the actual truth. Well, if the actual truth is the truth that only God knows, then ultimate reality is the reality that only God knows. And then we have the observed reality, which, of course, goes along with apparent truth. We see truth as it appears to us. We observe reality as it appears to us. It is an observation. Reality, to me, is based on what I see, what I can explain through the use of my five primary senses, as it is to all of us. What do we see? What do we smell? What do we hear? What do we taste? What do we touch? Our five senses help us to understand what we've observed. And then there's distorted reality. The distorted reality is the reality of the imagined world. It is only true to you. It is your own personal reality. The man in a concentration camp playing several rounds of golf, going from hole to hole, yet to those who looked on, he was just a man swinging air at air and walking around this small space in a concentration camp. But that was not his reality. He lived in a distorted reality, which worked for him. So, how do we get our minds to work for us as a man thinketh? How do we harness the power of our thoughts? Well, the first thing we have to do is this. We have to become aware of what we're thinking. So, to become aware of what we're thinking, as with any muscle, we have to exercise it so that it can get strong. How do you do that? Every hour, you stop and you ask yourself, what am I thinking? Now, in the beginning, it's going to be hard because you're not used to doing that. So you'll miss time. But as long as you can get into the habit of remembering throughout the day, what am I thinking, you'll eventually build up. If you can do it once a day, then twice a day, two, three times a day, you know, by the end of a month, you should be up to doing it every hour. What am I thinking? And then just listen, pay attention to your thoughts. You'll start to understand the thoughts that go through your head, thoughts that you've never paid attention to before. This is the first step in dealing with how you think. Once you learn to monitor your thoughts, write down if your thoughts are positive or negative. Think about it. Throughout the course of a day, every hour I've been checking in that I've been awake, every hour I've been checking in with my thoughts, are my thoughts more positive, more negative, or more neutral? If you find that they're more neutral, okay, start to push them a little more towards positive. If you find that they're more negative, start to push them a little more towards positive, but it's okay to go through neutral to get the positive. 
you want to limit the negative thoughts that you have and start to move them in the right direction. So now, after you've learned how to focus on your thoughts, and you don't have to wait till you've mastered your thoughts. You don't have to wait until you've learned to ask yourself every hour, what am I thinking? You can start right away because this can also help you with your positive thoughts. Find a nice, quiet spot where you can sit down, where you can relax, and close your eyes. And I'm not even talking any extraordinary meditation skills. Just close your eyes and think about what it is you want in your life. And just spend time in your mind being in that scene. Just imagine being there, doing whatever it is. If you want a boat, close your eyes and imagine being on the boat. Feel as the boat rocks up and down. See the water. Feel the breeze from the water on your face. Touch the steering wheel. Steer the boat. Enjoy being on the boat. And just spend time there, up to 30 minutes a day. You see, what you're doing is you're retraining your mind. You're brainwashing yourself, but you're taking control of what's going into your mind. Right now, Madison Avenue has control of what's going into your mind. The Internet has control of what's going into your mind. The movies that you like have control of what's going into your mind. You see, everyone else is controlling your mind except for you. You need to take your mind back and change it to put in there what you want. And the only way to do that is to spend time with your mind. Why? Because what you think, you create. What you create, you become. What you become, you express. What you express, you experience. What you experience, you are. And what you are, you think. And so what you're thinking about, if you spend enough time thinking about it, again, 30 minutes, thinking about something you want to do, be, or have, you work towards creating it. You'll find the inner energy, if you want it bad enough, to get out and put some actual action into it. That, along with just doing it in your mind, or actually playing like a little kid, like the guy in the concentration camp. Maybe you want to play golf. Maybe you want to be better at sports. Maybe you're a baseball player. Just swinging a bat over and over, imagining that you're hitting the ball out of the park, spending time with your child, your inner child, your imagination. As you think, you start to create. You see, you draw these things, these experiences into your life. So think about them and allow yourself to create it. As you create it, you become it. You can't have anything that you're not willing to become, which means you have to take on the appropriate mindset. Let me explain what the appropriate mindset is. We've all heard the story about people who hit the lottery and they win millions of dollars, sometimes even hundreds of millions of dollars. And then a year or two later, they're completely broke. And then we marvel at, man, how could you do that? That would never be me. Yeah, that probably would be you if you don't have the right mindset. You see, there's a whole different mindset that rich people have that poor people don't have. It's a different mindset. That's why they're rich. So if you get that kind of money, your mind has got to change. Otherwise, your mind is going to take you right back to being poor. So you got to become what it is. First you think it so that you can create it. When you create it, you must become it. And when you become it, you express it. Everything about you, again, that's like branding. Everything about you is it. What you say, what you do, how you act, how you carry yourself, everything about you is it. You are the real McCoy. You're the real deal. And as you express it, you can't help but experience it. You see, because what you're putting out is what's going to come back. So if you're expressing success, if you're expressing power, if you're expressing fame, that's what you're going to experience. That's what's going to show up in your world. And as it shows up in your world, you expect it even more. And so now what you've expressed and experienced is what you are. It's absolutely, positively what you are. And what you are you can't help but think about. It's catch-22. 
It just keeps looping back around and around and around. And so, as I said, I was going to talk about, I was going to say, you know, about your thoughts becoming your words. Watch your words because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits because they become your character. Watch your character because it becomes your destiny several times. I've said it two times, two different ways already. What you think you create, what you create you become, what you become you express, what you express you experience, what you experience you are, and what you are you think. But how do we control the thinking? Well, we talked a little bit about that, and now I'm going to give you another method of controlling thinking, and this is called the spiritual mind treatment. The spiritual mind treatment helps you to control your mind. You see, that's the only power that it has. It helps to focus your mind on allowing the Most High to do what the Most High does. So there are five steps to a spiritual mind treatment. The first step is recognition. Recognition goes like this. I perceive the ultimate power and presence of God throughout the universe, realizing that this love, this intelligence permeates all forms and all experiences. Basically, it's just recognizing God's greatness, and God is great. Unification. This is the second step. Unifying with God. I recognize this power and presence indwelling in me as my higher self through my I am. I am one with the Almighty. I and the Father are one. Realization. I clarify my desire and expectation. I recognize the spiritual truth of the experience I want and then declare it as existing for me right now because of who I am. First, we recognize that God is great, that God is glorious, that God is all-powerful, almighty. And then we unify with that. We know that God dwells in us as us, and we live and move and have our being in the Most High. And knowing that we are indivisible from the Almighty, that we are one, we are completely inseparable, that God lives in us as us, we can do a realization. And that is our declaration. That is saying what it is we want. And, of course, in order for us to have it, we must become it. So when you speak it, you must truly believe with all your being that it's done. Not going to happen, that it's done. It's an I am statement. I I am happy. I am love. I am successful. I am in a great relationship. I am a millionaire. Whatever it is, I am. And then we give thanks. We give thanks. If someone gave you a million dollars, would you not give thanks? If someone fixed your life, would you not give thanks? So we give thanks. I express gratitude for spirit and its expression in my life. So first, we recognize the goodness of God. Second, we unify with the goodness of God, knowing that we are connected with God and God is connected with us all the time. And then we make a declaration. We speak in the present terms. I am that what it is that we want. And then we give thanks for it because we know that it is already done. And we must believe that because we can't have anything that we are not willing to become. So we must become that. And in becoming it, you need to give thanks for it because it's already here, done even before you ask. We give thanks. And then the fifth and final step, we release it. I declare that the law is acting on my word and that I trust its actions and release all concern over the outcome. There's no need for you to worry about it anymore. There's no need for you to think about it anymore. You've turned it over. You've cast your burdens on the Christ within, and you go free. All right. And so as we start to come to the close, I just want to go a little deeper into as we think. I've given you some practical tools to work on controlling your thoughts. You know the secret is to think positive things, to be positive. But here's some things that you will need to understand. Everyone has a unique perspective on life. Again, we see life as we are. So your perspective is not 
an actual truth. It is an apparent truth. It's what appears to you. And sometimes it's a combination of the apparent truth and the imagined truth. But it's your perspective. Own it. And your perspective will create your perception. You see, how you see a thing will determine what you see. Interestingly enough, they talk in uh, what the bleep we know about the Native Americans not being able to see the ships out at sea, though they were clearly visible. They weren't able to see it because of their perspective. They had no concept of ships. And so they could not perceive it because their perspective did not allow them to see it. They could not perceive it. There was no perception because they couldn't understand it until eventually the shaman said, there's something out here. There's these ripples in the water that has never been here before, and these are big ripples. And so when they realized that there was something out there, their perspective changed. Hmm. And when their perspective changed, their perception changed. They was able to see it. Once they were able to see it, they could believe it. And so understand, your perception is unique to you. But if you want to change your life, you have to change your perspective on life so that you can perceive life in a different manner, so that your perception of life is different. And when your perception of life becomes different, your belief in life becomes different. When your belief in life becomes different, your behavior becomes different. When you know better, you do better. How many times have we heard that? When you know better, you do better. When you believe is different, your behavior is different. Your belief is different because you know better. And so your behavior is different, so you do better. And when you do better, you create events. You create events in your life. Now you're sitting on the steps, and somebody walks past you and go to your neighbor and punch your neighbor for no reason. And your neighbor wondering, what the what? I was just sitting here. What in the? You, you see, because that's no longer a part of your perspective, your belief system. You've changed your mind. And so events now work in your favor. Oh, man, you lost your bus token, and you can't get on the bus, and you're all the way across town, and someone say, hey, you know what? I got a bus pass. I'm not going to use this. You need this? And you're like, wow, thank you, God. You see, when you change, events change because you are creating those events. Not 100%, but you're doing a lot of work in creating the events that's happening to you. So when you change, you create different events. And different events give you different data. Again, you lost your bus token. You created an event where someone now gives you a bus pass. And so... Where you thought, how am I going to get home? Here's a bus pass. Now you can get home. The data changed with the event. And so your truth changed. All people are mean. People losing their mind. They're going crazy. Well, I don't know. You know, someone gave me a bus pass today. You know, I was sitting on the bench and I looked hungry. Somebody said, hey, you look like you're hungry. I'm on my way over here to this gut truck. You want to get something? And like, I don't know you, that's okay. You look like an interesting person and, you know, I just want to help. Your truth changed because now you have stories of people doing good. And when your truth change, your thoughts change. And when your thoughts change, your emotions change because your thoughts control your emotions. You don't believe me? Close your eyes and think of something you love. 30 seconds, just think of something you love. Time, 30 seconds up. How do you feel? If you were focused for the last 30, se 30 seconds on something you love, you probably feel in a nice, warm, loving mood because your thoughts control your emotions. When you get emotionally upset, take a break. Just step back. Just step back for those same 30 seconds I just gave you. Step back and think about it. Give yourself time to calm down. Think about what it is that's bothering you. And I mean think deep about it. Not think about the, the circumstances, the situation, because that will only make you upset. Think about what it is within you that has allowed you to become so upset about this. So don't think about what happened, but think about what's going on within you 
that has allowed you to become so upset? Why does this bother you so much? Think about that. You see, your emotions will create experiences. I was working with a, a lady. We did a workshop together, and she had shared a story with the people in the workshop. And in her story, she talks about how she gotten incarcerated. And so she mentioned that one of the things that she learned being incarcerated is that almost all of the women that was in there where she were had one thing in common. They failed to control their emotions. You see, emotions create your experience. If you can't control your emotions, your emotions will control you. And if your emotions control you, they can lead you into a negative experience. And that negative experience creates your reality. And so then your reality is that this is a negative world. And once your reality is that, your perspective is that. And once your perspective is that, your perception, what you see is that. You see, because your reality is going to create what you think. Your perspective is what you think. And then what you think will create what you see, your perception. It's what you see. It's not just me. It's everybody. And then that influences what you believe because everybody in your circle, everyone that you're aware of, thinks the same thing. And so if that's the case, it affects your behavior. And so you're going to act a certain way because this is how you view the world. And because you act a certain way, you're going to create an event that corresponds with how you're acting. I'm thuggish because I grew up in the hood. Everybody here thuggish. This is just how life is. Thug life, baby. And then you create an event that allows you to be thuggish. And then the data from that event, I got shot. Oh, my goodness. Well, huh, that adds to your truth. See? That's the proof right there that everybody thugs, you know, and that goes right back into your thoughts. That's right. And your thoughts control your emotions. So in that moment, my truth is because my understanding allowed me to see that the world was dangerous to me, and so I bought into that belief. And so my habits became one of being that way. My behavior got that way because that's what I believed and what I saw, and it created the event, and the event just proved what I thought. By giving me the data to say, hey, this is what you think, this is the truth. And so it became my truth, and it went right back into my thought. And in that moment, my thought made me pissed to the highest of pissivity because thoughts control my emotions. And because of it, I went out and created another experience. You shoot me, I shoot you. And that created an experience which ended up with my reality, reality jail time or Someone shooting me and I'm dead. And it doesn't have to work on the negative. I just chose that path to run down. It can work just as easily on the positive. Because what you have to understand is you are a being, but you are also consciousness. And your consciousness is awareness. And your awareness has a perspective, but it's only a partial perspective. It is not an actual truth. It is not the ultimate reality. And if you want to change your life, you have to change your perspective because your perspective, your perception, your perception is how you see things. If you want to see things differently, you have to think differently because your perspective is how and what you're thinking. And so when you do that, when you change your perception, you see things differently, your beliefs are different. When your beliefs are different, your behavior is different. When your behavior is different, the events that happen to you are different. And because of the data that you get from these positive events, it creates a new truth for you. The world ain't all bad after all. And that new truth creates a thought. That thought is that the world ain't bad after all. And that thought makes you feel good inside because your thoughts affect your emotions. And the emotions that you carry around from day to day creates your experience. And so by thinking the world's not bad after all, when I'm hungry, somebody buys me a meal, complete stranger. When I lose my bus token, somebody gives me a bus pass, and I'm able to get home. Because the world ain't bad after all, and I'm happy. And my experiences prove it's not bad. And so my reality is things are looking up. As a matter of fact, my future is so bright, 
I'm wearing sunglasses. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show. And so it is time for me to go. But you can catch me again in two weeks on One Love, One Connection, One Us, right here as I talk relationships with my partner, Reverend Arlene Cahat, and every fourth Thursday of the month, right here in the inner consciousness. I'll see you next month. And as always, I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but to your own self, you must be true. If it's the game of life you want to win, you must take time to go within. Good night. You know, the moment you realize you're not alone is your finest hour. When you can finally allow yourself to be seen as you truly are. That's what intimacy is to me. It's acceptance of yourself. I can tell you the truth about me and you can tell me the truth about you and we can still be cool. This relationship, commitment, we're all in this thing together, you know. Life is about connecting, making room for your friends. It's making yourself vulnerable. Don't nobody want to do that. It separates the men from the boys. Intimacy. It's the art of loving, the act of giving and sharing and laughing. It's sensual and seductive, but you ain't got to seduce me. I'm already yours. At some point, you have to come to the understanding that you're an instrument of love. Can you dig it? I thought I knew all there was to know about it, you understand? But I've only been scratching the surface, y'all. Intimacy.